Welcome to the season two finale of Shiat Fiok, Shiction Fiction. That's an, I am joined. We have rebranded. <laughs> Shiction Fiction. I like it. Shiction Fiction. I will say Hello. that's an old joke, but it's a season one old joke. So, you hey. know, we, we're good to bring it in here. Uh, welcome, producer Sydney, to the finale. You were on the, the season one finale too, right? It's, I Correct. guess it's a, it's, so, it's a, yeah, it's we've a come, we've, running gag. It's a recurring um, motif. Motif. There you go. Well, welcome back. Uh, I mean, you're here every okay. every time we record, just in the what background. Now you can oh, Now boy, you can I? talk and everyone can hear instead of typing to us. Uh, and also yeah, welcome so to those listening. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> cut you off. <laughs> just had to welcome the people listening, you know. All 12 of them. Well, and I feel like there are definitely episodes where I'm more vocal on the keys anyway. There's a good number of them where I'm like, ah, I'll just let the boys do what they do. And then there are other times where I'm like, listen, we're talking about musical theater. I have input. I have. <laughs> I have opinions. I will let you know and let us know you did. Well, uh, on today's episode of Shit Fic, we have some things that we're gonna be pitching, I guess. This is like a, an idea graveyard episode where at the very least Sydney and Chris have ideas. <laughs> I also have stuff. I'm looking through like my old Google drives, but I was telling them before we started recording, whenever I have an idea and I don't do anything with it, it tends to just get scrapped into the void. So it's hard for me to go back and find those things. Maybe I'll have something for this episode, but I think I might just be reacting most of the time. But Sydney for sure has a lot. And Chris, I'm sure also has things. I have I an Excel blended. spreadsheet. So this is how type A I am. I have an Excel spreadsheet that has various tabs. So I have a novels tab, I have a musical theaters tab, I have a short story tab, I have a tab of TBD, to be determined. There's one particular area where it's just one lines and there's like, oh God, this has gotta be at least two to 300. They're all like ranges of like detail and not detail. There's one that I might tell you about just that like there's nothing to it. It's just a vibe. But just from these words, I remember the vibe. I like it. I have a Word document that is five pages, just bullet-pointed ideas. Some of them are so, <laughs> like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to say. Some of them are, like, full ideas. Some of them are literally just, like, one of them is literally just Michael Goodstrading. I just like that name. <laughs> That's and me. That is, that That's is, me. I'm that person. You're Michael Goodstrading? Yes. Strating? It's been me this whole time. Oh I can't. I can't believe it. He foresaw your you. meeting how many years I've, ago. <laughs> divine inspiration mm. brought me to this place. Did you know that I can see the future? Did you know that? Has anybody else ever had that happen to them where they have a dream and then what happens in that dream happens like exactly like point to point in real life sometime in the future? I definitely had. I remember being in this like a Girl Scout event. It was like elementary school. I was in a hallway and I just was hit with the most extreme moment of deja vu that I did not understand. Um, mm -hmm. And it just felt like I had had like a dream the previous night. That was more or less the last couple of like minutes. But other than that sensation of just like, I've already done this before or something else. Like I, I can't say that I have any particular sense that I've seen into the future. Oh. Yeah, I definitely have like just... dreams where I'll dream like I'm at work or something like that. And then I'll go to work that next, <laughs> the next day. Um, and it's the same thing, yeah, where you just like get smashed with deja vu. You're like, I've done this before. But like, it's just because I dreamt that I was at work. It's not like a one-to-one -one 
thing. Well, the weird thing with being at this like Girl Scout event in this church, it's not like I had ever been in this church before. I was there and I'm like, I've never seen this place in my life. I will never see this place again. What is this? <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in to this wonderful finale. We're, I think, just ready to jump right in after talking about our dreams. If you also get severe deja vu from your dreams, let us know. Look, I don't think anyone's ever sent us in anything. But if... <laughs> You listening right now feels so inclined. Please send us a dream you've had. And that will be our season three opener is us reading your dreams. Uh, and then Chris and I can interpret said dreams about what we think they mean. I mean, I'm willing and able. What I want people to write us in about is with too good to quit. And just like, I wanted people to really love that idea of Chris pitching to a producer. So then I can just come on in episodes and be a producer and Chris can pitch movies that are created, they are made, and see if I recognize them or if I would have passed on the idea. Well, if you want to write in, you can send your write-ins to... Do it. Yeah, send us stuff. We've never gotten anything, so do it. Yeah. <laughs> Send us something. Just say hi. Yeah, honestly, just send anything. Send us some mail. It's been a whole pandemic. We could just use a hello, how you doing, I'll a check-in, you know? Um, would you like to tell us an idea or two that you've had throughout the years and see what we think? Let's see. Oh, God. There's so many of them that are, like, so vague that almost part of... Like, some of them I still remember. Oh, this is one that I still kind of like. So... I don't know anything about these characters, but this is the like concept I have written down. Trisha and Brooke are amateur treasure hunters on the hunt for Confederate treasure in the South. That sounds racially loaded. But I think there's I mean, something- I not really, but- Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing of like getting treasure from shitty, terrible people in the past. Cause that mm -hmm. was kind of where I was pulling from. And I was, I remember like, this was definitely something that I wrote when I was probably like an idea from middle school, I would guess. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it was just one of those things where it's like, I don't know where in the past we would have had like treasure so we could do treasure hunting kind of stories. I feel like you see it a lot more in like, oh, all these like, you know, European countries or all these countries that have very like long, deep history of like mm -hmm. gold and things like that. So like El Dorado and everything like that. So I think that's mm -hmm. what I was thinking about because I love Indiana Jones. I love the mummy. So I was like, where can we do that here? And I'm like, well, no one's going to feel bad about taking money from from like former Confederate soldiers. And I think mm -hmm. it could still work not written by me if it's like two black women really like diving into the history and like this is kind of their almost a sort of revenge to them against the history. I think there's areas of interest to it. And also I just really wanted a story idea where it's treasure hunting. <laughs> yeah. I think with two black women, yeah. I think if it's like two white women, it's like, oh, you're gonna steal that slave money, are you? Mm -hmm. You better begin giving it back. It's I, definitely I, not for like, I should not be the one to write this idea, but I think if I wanted to write a treasure hunting idea, I should, you know, go to some other country or come up with some different historical event to base it on. But mm -hmm. I think there's some juice there. I think there's some fun that you could have with it in terms of like, you can still do treasure hunting, you can do history, but it's also like a perspective. I feel like, I'm trying to think, I don't even know if there are any movies or stories that I'm aware of where it's like black women or like people of color who, who get to kind of reclaim 
their history and reclaim like a piece of their culture that was stolen by white settlers and colonists. Yeah, I mean, I can already see the mustache twirling southerner, southern gentleman who says, young ladies, young ladies, that treasure is mine. And then they fist fight on an airplane. <laughs> As one does in a treasure hunt. As one does. Michael, yes. do you have comments? Uh, no, none. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe you should have done the intro. Well, you kind of basically did. I did. I, typically when I say, Chris, you do the intro, it really just means you come on and go, hey, here's some random things. And I go, all right, here's the real intro. Yeah. Which even that has grown less and less as this podcast has gone on. My intros used to yeah, be so, of- so in-depth, and now I'm just like, yeah, welcome back to another episode. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna go. read some stuff. And, uh, what do I do? We got 10 episodes of the first season where it's very fully explained. Even like half of this season, it's very fully explained. If you don't know what it is by now and you're still listening to us, Thank go you. back and listen to well, we keep doing very. We keep doing a bunch of very special episodes where we try something new. Uh, season one was a lot of scripts. Uh, season two, mm-hmm. I think, has broken away from that. Uh, while there still have been some, uh, it's been a lot more. I feel like this this season has been a lot more focused on ideas. Hence, even this finale is entirely based around ideas. Speaking of which, sure. Chris, do you have an idea? No. Oh well. Um, Well, thank you all for listening to our shortest episode ever. Uh, We'll see you next time. So my idea is not as, like, pitch-worded as yours. Just to lower your expectations. Um, I wrote, uh, all the gods are dead and Zeus has to appoint new ones. Ooh. Ooh, that's fun. (laughs) I like that idea. I think there's something there. Although I'm like, Any opinions, Michael? (laughs) <laughs> why is zeus in i know he's zeus is like the king of the gods but i'm also like zeus fucking sucks can we have athena point the new gods like <laughs> i mean probably it should be i mean granted all the greek gods are all kind of shit i mean all of them have done at least one thing well, that's like oh well and probably what i would would have done actually because like so zeus took over from the titans by killing his father Kronos. so it would only mm-hmm. be fitting if one of Zeus's kids, which Lord knows he's got a million of them, mm-hmm. killed Zeus and took over and became the next, like, style of ruling deity. Top god. Yeah. But then it kind of becomes like an... Well, I mean, unless Zeus is a bad guy and then we decide it was a good If thing Zeus is a bad guy, from. do you think he's a good guy? <laughs> None of them are good guys. I don't know if... <laughs> On the moral scale of Greek gods, I don't know how good or bad he was comparatively to his contemporaries. He was pretty, like, I put Zeus, I feel like Hades and Persephone are probably among the, like, better ones. Hestia is probably another one because she's one of the gods that doesn't get any. She was one of the virgin goddesses who just literally, she's the goddess of the hearth. She does very yeah, little. She's she doesn't... chilling. She's chill. Oh, I could maybe do like a Hestia. No one fucked with Hestia, so she's like, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess I gotta assign the new gods. <laughs> like the idea I that it's, it's almost God of War type of thing where someone comes in and just wipes out all of the gods, except for this one really minor one that like they mm. just <laughs> forgot about. And then they like come out of a nap and they're like, whoa, where the hell did everyone else go? 
what happened what here? Happened here? Oh, and now they but have I to like... transition into a war god and like reclaim their right? position. <laughs> but I kind of like, uh, maybe it could be like a different pantheon of gods could have taken out the Greek gods and that's why like <laughs> they need to rebuild their forces. Maybe it's the Norse gods. I don't, I'm kind of into a, a Zeus Odin showdown or something. I don't know. It would be very yeah. interesting to see something like that just because it's like a lot of these gods have very similar positions and roles like they differed based on each society and what they valued and everything but mm -hmm. still like most societies had a god of birth they had a god of death yeah but i've exactly. always thought the norse gods were just cooler yes i know <laughs> <laughs> i like the norse gods but i'm like great gods have always been the ones that i first learned about so they're the ones i know more about <laughs> fair exactly but i don't know i wonder what would, i wonder what the tone of this movie slash tv show slash book slash whatever <laughs> would be like, I could see it either being, like, a serious, like, bloody, like, gore, not gore fest, but, like, action movie. But I could also see it being, like, a teen romp of, like, <laughs> what? You want me to be the god of the sea? But I have prom on Wednesday. I will let you know both of those pitches sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the second one does sound like something that would one day become a CW show. I'm pretty sure. confident it already is. Oh god, we're just waiting for that season of Riverdale when they run out of ideas and it's like, why not make them gods? You see, Archie, sure. Archie has sure. been Zeus this whole time. Didn't you guys know? Archie? Archie has to kill God. Although part of How's me is he like, he's a redhead, he should be Thor. Was Thor a redhead? Yeah. Is that a thing? I'm not yeah. up on my Norse mythology. Of Norse mythology, I think there's only like two particular gods where they're like this god has to have red hair and this god has to have blonde hair because they give um thor's wife this like magical golden hair because loki thought it would be funny to shave her head and she did not think it's funny <laughs> and thor was like oh my good dude you are gonna die unless you fix this <laughs> norse norse mythology is just there's some wacky shit there is some all mythology yeah there's there's no mythology out there that that does not have crazy weird like how did this why like, okay why so, why did they like, see this as normal i i i need because literally you went to wacky shit and i was like oh right the story of pegasus and how i think it was perseus cut off the gorgon's head her head popped off out of her neck sprang pegasus, pegasus. fully formed and that is how hmm. we got the winged horse what were they like LSD? What, what what was it? Mushrooms? What, like what ancient ancient? What's the word? I have Hydraulics. no idea. I don't know what you're going for here, but Hallucin hallucinogenic. There you go. Hydraulics. Hydraulics. Yo, you got any hydraulics on you? You got a dime bag of hydraulics? You don't believe gates um, existed in ancient times, but you do believe in the hydraulics of the ancients. Absolutely. And I will not step away from this position. <laughs> All right, Sydney, give us another one. Oh, I was going to say, you don't do you got have nothing, any? Mike? I, look, if I have something, I will let you know. <laughs> All right. Let's do my very vague one, but I remember specifically when I got this idea. And it's just fog, ghost, scary story, new school. That's all. That's all. I'm sorry. Please but repeat. I, fog, ghost, scary story, question mark, new school. That's all this. That's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. But I, I'm going to tell you what I remember the moment getting this idea. Because I remember being driven to middle school. I remember there was just this thick, dense layer of fog everywhere. And just like 
the, the, I could sense the tone of like what I wanted to write without actually having an idea, which was just this like a girl coming to a new school and as she's coming in, like there's fog everywhere and just this like sense of like something's going on, something's wrong. Maybe there's nobody at the school. Just this like kind of deep dread, but mystery kind of lingering in the air of like, you don't know what's gonna happen. And I'm like, mm. it's not an idea, but I still love that idea. The like the feeling, feeling that I have, the feeling mm -hmm. I have from it when I think about that idea of just like, all, like I was in middle school, so it was probably aimed at my age group, whatever the, like this was the age when I didn't think about writing anything about books because I didn't realize like, oh, right, people write plays, people write movies, people write, you know, all these different things. So this probably would have been like, oh, I'm gonna write a kid's book. But I could still see pulling that and like doing just even a short film aimed at that age group of like older kids, middle school aged, where it's like a little bit horror goosebumps, but maybe a little less like cheesy. <laughs> nice, I like it. <laughs> oh, was that the? I, like, there's where not really the a lot to like. There's not really a lot to riff off of, you know, like. Because yeah. it's more no, of just they're... describing the feeling, which I absolutely vibe with. I love or like scary stories to tell in the dark vibes. So good. Um, the wild thing is I haven't gotten into writing for horror until after college. And then I did not start watching horror until after college and a little bit during college, but mostly after college. So the fact that I had this idea that I wanted to write something kind of scary when I was terrified of everything as a child. It was like, oh, this this was a step up. This was a shift because I don't, I you know, I like my like magic sunshine or like interesting, like kids saving the world in some like ridiculous way kind of stories. But where does the ghost in the frog come in? Where did you get a frog? Fog. Oh. It's the ghost oh, of a, a ghost frog. frog. <laughs> ghost frog. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I'm, I'm totally down with this ghost. new ghost frog uh, story. Ghost frog high school, yeah. Chris, what do you got Chris. for us next? Sure, this would be a stage play. It would be called Stage Dwellers. Um, and it's kind of, it would be like a meta kind of play where like you'd go in and you'd think it'd just be a normal play, but you'd realize that all the actors like have been trapped in this auditorium for weeks not literally but like that's like the story so like oh my god what are you people doing here and it's like kind of a mystery kind of a comedy and like i don't know it makes sense to me <laughs> i feel like that would that could work as a, a multi-tool thing maybe it's because i work in escape rooms but i feel like that would be a great sort of themed escape room is like, you're going to see a play. Uh, obviously you would have to know it, so it, it really couldn't be a trick. Uh, but like, mm -hmm. you like go into this auditorium, like you said, for a play. Uh, I'm using mm -hmm. air quotes here. And then when the door mm -hmm. shut behind you, you know, there's like six actors in there that are like, oh no, we've been locked in. And like, they have their lines and different things, but also the audience mm -hmm. has to then like, solve puzzles and figure things out and whatnot. So I feel like it could work as, as sort of a, an extended interactive experience that's more than just a traditional play. Well, like that's I've cool. never been to this, but I know a podcaster who talked about, there's like this production of, I think it's Hamlet's, where you basically like walk through a theater and you're seeing parts of a scene, like you're walking through seeing a scene moving on 
as it's, it's like you don't interact with the actors per se but like you're seeing the show as it's going and i could see something like that with this and like i could see also because i also just love stories like this i could see kind of like with hades town where we kind of end at the beginning where it all becomes this giant circle of like oh these people have been trapped in this cycle in this theater for like mm -hmm. years and years and years and we've been stuck here. We are all complicit, all of us. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know. You'd need humor to lighten it up because then it could get too, it just would become a slog to get through because it would be so serious and dark. But it, yeah, I don't know how you would add the humor in. It would be such an interesting like drama to it of like mm -hmm. what happens to people when they're stuck somewhere what's the turn like what's this like are we just you know assuming it's some magical reality where we're stuck here or is there like a specific like thing forcing us to stay here it'd be interesting to play with i don't know if i'm powerful yeah. enough to write this but chris you have all the power it's all in your heart bud no Maybe. that's definitely one though like <laughs> hold on to it find a co-writer who's better than me all right. Next idea. Sydney, go. Okay, this one I remember. You just sit back, Michael. Yeah. Just sit uh, back and enjoy. Yes, yes, I am. Having in college, I think. Freshman or sophomore year of college. I still, I also think this one might actually have some gas in it. Jewel smugglers, they line an old car with like jewels that they were stolen in order to pass them on to a buyer at auction. An old man, or at least older man and his daughter, come to buy it at the auction. He outbids the buyer. Um, it was like the first car he ever had growing up, so he wants to like take it and like bring it back to life. So as soon as like he gets the car, suddenly you have like jewel smugglers on your tail, <laughs> and just this like kind of silly but kind of fun thriller of like people just trying to get their gems back, and they just think people are trying to kill them. <laughs> That's interesting, but I, I like, I don't know why. So if they fill up this like antique car or whatever to bring to a car show with gems and they're like, they're using that to like get the, the stolen gems or whatever to their person, right? Yeah. Uh, why, yeah. like, why wouldn't their person then just like completely outbid the old guy, even if they don't have the money, because they're not going to have to pay it anyway. If the old man is like, I bid $2 million, why not just be like, well, I bid $1 billion. Try going <laughs> over that. And then, like, they still, they wouldn't have to pay the $1 billion because this is all for show anyway. Like... I think probably, like, as a comedy, how I would get away with it is just, like, at the last minute when he's supposed to, like, outbid the guy, something happens, like, he gets distracted or some, something, like, interferes with his ability to, like, buy the car. Gotcha. And so he's, like... You know, gradual, like, probably how I would do it is, like, guy comes up after being, like, I will give you this outrageous amount of money. Probably, like, him coming up being, like, no, like, I wanted to buy that car. I will give you this amount of money. And then it's the old guy being, like, no. Like, this is sentimental value. Like, I want this car. And just the gradual, like, raising of the stakes where they're, like, not understanding what's happening. <laughs> and then when they finally do, they find out how terrible these people are and go on this like elaborate car chase. <laughs> My one logic question is why wouldn't he just like go to the cops? Cause he has no reason to like, if he had like people chasing him, he'd probably be like, oh, hi, people are trying to murder me. He doesn't know that there's a bunch of stolen jewels in his car. He has mm -hmm. no reason to just be like, oh, well, I shit, what the fuck is going on here? I'm just I gonna. I don't think, I think probably the way to write that would be the first at least the first act into the second act, like what's happening is not anything that's very clearly like, you know, it might be like small things, 
like oh like it looks like someone attempted to break in or like all these things where it's like not enough that like you can get the police involved but they can't really do anything and they're not really going to do anything and then when you start raising the stakes to oh now they're just pissed at you then Mm -hmm. it then it starts being like you don't have time to go to the cops because things are happening too quickly yeah yeah listen i can also just play on a lot of different like one of the things that drives me nuts in true crime but works very well for writing is just the fact that like cops especially for women don't believe them they think they're being the Mm -hmm. dramatic or they're just like well we don't really have proof of something happening so we can't do anything about it like there's so many fucking women who have been attacked and murdered by like either just stalkers or deranged exes and the police are just like well we can't he hasn't done anything so we can't do anything about it it's like when he does something about it it's gonna be too late that kind of shit this is a political movie now we have a message I mean, that probably wouldn't be the message of this particular one. I think it'd just be a fun, silly little thriller. (laughs) Do you have another one, Chris? I sure do. Let's see. Okay. A group of friends find the fountain of youth and create a society around it. I will say that kind of sounds like, um, oh, what is that movie, musical, and book that I really like? Um, Oh, shit. Because it's originally a book, and then... And it's kind of a, it's technically children's, but it's written in very, like, secret garden. Like, definitely written for, like, it's sophisticated is what it is, really. Tuck Everlasting. That's what it is. Tuck Everlasting? I've heard of that. Yeah. That oh, sounds... It's, it's delightful. That sounds familiar. Maybe it's... I stole it from them. I don't know. Yeah, because Tuck Everlasting is about the Tuck family and how they find a spring. They drink the water. They can't die. They never change. They never grow up. They just stay the same forever. And so then you have this little girl, Winifred, who meets them probably a couple hundred years after they first found the spring and kind of discovers it too. And there's a man after the spring. So it's not completely the same because it sounds like it's creating a whole society around the spring. But that's what it makes me think of immediately. I feel like that's definitely an interesting concept though. Like what would effectively an immortal society look like you know uh mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. would they have laws against you know giving birth and things like that because if everyone's immortal society can't like it's not declining you know unless people die from I- from effectively i guess murder really that's about it so like it would depend on like kind of the magic of that particular fountain because it's like is it just making people young is it making people live forever is it making them immortal to death because with tuck everlasting like their spring was basically like you can fall out of a tree you can get shot like you will not die i imagine if it's the fountain of youth i mean i guess chris it's your idea so you can correct me here but if it's the fountain of youth it's specifically like a de-aging thing so you could i guess still get you could still, you know, f- fall out of a tree, but you're at least not going to die from old age specifically. So, like, that idea that death is inevitable is not actually the case for this society. And so, again, it'd be really interesting to sort of see, uh, or, or I mean, create really how a society like that would function, where it's like, hey, you know, we, because I think just again, going back to like the whole birth thing of like, we had 12 people die from X disease this year, which means we can add 12 new kids. You can either like invite people in or you know if you really want to have a kid you can have one because we've got 12 slots but that's it and like Mm -hmm. just how how different things would develop around it i you know they'd probably be a very secluded village one would Mm -hmm. imagine they would try to keep that Mm -hmm. that on lock so like 
Would they allow people to go out into the world? Or would they be like, no, this is where we live and this is, that's it. Would, like, or do they pick people? It or? might be yeah, something yeah. though where, that would be again, another thing of figuring out. Cause like, I agree with you, Michael, that this mechanic needs to have like, they can die. I would probably, how I would want to do it would be, it only lasts a certain amount of time. You know, a certain amount will send you back like so many years. But like, if you wanted to leave this group, you could go out into the world and continue to age as normal. You just need to accept that you will eventually die of old age. So it would just be Maybe. like, that. there's a lot of things to play with it. I also like with a separated, isolated community, I was thinking about like, kind of how in the Appalachian Mountains and everything, how there have been like communities that basically like held on to their culture and religion and everything from when they first like emigrated to the United States. They kind of self-isolate in that way. So I could see something like that where it's like having some kind of uh, geographic structure that's like great. Very few people will come in. Very few people can leave easily. This is a way to keep us separated. But then what does this look like? Is this a utopia? Is this a community that is very like biased against any signs of aging? So thus they are like almost addicted to this water to make sure they like stay at this pristine age. Well, and like who who controls it? You know, like what is what is the political sphere here? Is it like one group is just in charge forever? Yeah, the, the founders or is it like, look, you guys have been in charge for 50 years and now someone else is or like. Like, how does the political structure of this work and who gets to say who goes and dips in the well and stuff like that? And, you know, is it like, oh, instead of, you know, in our society, when you commit a crime, you don't go to prison, you just lose access to the well. So, like, you're done there. Like, And can it run out? Or, like, do you, you lose access to the well for a certain amount of years. So, like... You know, typically everyone hops in it to like stay around 27 or whatever. But if you steal, well, that means we're going to let you or force you effectively to age to like 45. You know, you're Mm -hmm. you're now going to be stuck as a 45 year old because you committed X crime. Like, I just think working the politics and and things around that. uh, I think I think that's the interesting prospect of this idea is the politics (laughs) around the well. What if you like they said you can age until you're 80 and then once you're 80, you can come back to 27. But if you die on your way there. Then. Yeah, like maybe that's how how it works. Like I could also see just like a pure fantasy world or some kind of isolated community where no one else has really been anywhere else. They don't understand it's weird, and I would have like they grow and thrive like a normal community, and they don't. Most people don't have access to the well, and I would make it just like one person or like one like group of people who have complete control of the well. And so everyone in the community, because they've never had outsiders, they don't understand it's weird that their leaders have been the same people for centuries. And just Mm -hmm. like not realizing like they've been holding power and control that way because they have access to this well. So they've been able to just keep living forever. And then probably what I would do is then you have someone who gets lost, an outsider who comes in and like tells them, hey, this is not, most communities aren't like this. Are we writing this book, you guys? Is this like maybe a group written book? I just like, I, again, I think there's a lot that you can do with a, a whole society based around de-aging. 
I just, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very interesting concept. It's a, you know, immortality is something that a lot of stories have explored, but I do think it is just fascinating, you know? I think it's something that vampire stories do very poorly. They always focus on the, the blood-sucking yeah. spooky aspect, but never the immortality aspect, which I think is the far more interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say, so, like, vampires are kind of their own thing. Vampires, like, as a concept, they're been around a long time, but kind of when they blew up, in the like public consciousness camilla was like probably the first book about it and it was like kind of almost a lesbian love story and then bram stoker's dracula came out and that was like very much they're obsessed with the blood sucking because in that kind of time period the idea of like any kind of like transfer of bodily fluids was considered basically akin to sex so they like made it very much this like sexual underlying like theme to it that is now associated with like so vampires are sexy and it's like they are a reanimated corpse surviving on blood i mean they're effectively yeah. just more functioning zombies really like exactly with a little bit more magic to them uh depending a on the, on the lore and a little and a little more style like they're able to hold on to their like human look better. yeah so they have a little more style and like pizzazz but i know i had um the like immortality thing right before the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean came out. I think that's the one where they go to like the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. I was like, you know, me me wanting to have my like female Indiana Jones was like working on a story idea where it was this woman who's like some kind of brilliant expert of something. She gets forced by this like greedy so-and-so guy to find the Fountain of Youth. And then of course the Pirates movie came out and I'm like, well, fuck, now I can't do that. And now part of me is like, it's been so many years and no one remembers those. They only care about the first three movies. I don't know. I mean, they're still making them. Like, more of those movies are on the way, so... They are. Damn. But also, in terms of, of your, your female Indiana Jones, you're just thinking of Tomb Raider. That's... It's right there. Yeah. I never played Tomb Raider, so, like, I didn't have that, like, cultural touchstone. Oh, they're so good. I don't even know how... Like, we, we have gone down such a tangent from this, uh... Well of eternity. <laughs> All right. Well, Sydney, you got one more idea to finish off this episode? Oh, I don't think it's like a full festival, but there's a thing where like if you are, there are fans who create Star Wars short films and things like that, and they can get like submitted to like this, not obviously not canon, but a little bit more like, oh, Lucasfilms and like Marvel will play nice with you and like they're not going to take it down for copyright. So they actually are encouraging you to create and produce something. And... I had an idea after The Force Awakens came out that I was like, I'm so intrigued by kind of the like lost years in between um, like the end of the third movie in the original trilogy and Force Awakens. And just like, what was it like to be Luke Skywalker? Like, how do you how do you find people who are like force sensitive and like train them to be the next Jedi's? You're trying to basically like restart like, you know, the good side and everything like that and find them. So I just liked a very simple idea of Luke Skywalker has agents searching the galaxy for children who exhibit talent with the force. And it's just focusing in on uh, one little girl who they discover is force sensitive. And I don't really have a good, I had like visuals idea of just like very busy city and like very dusty and kind of reminiscent, but not fully of where Luke was also like found And just this idea of like a poor kid who's kind of ignored and overlooked and suddenly one of the most important people on the planet 
Because Luke Skywalker is looking for you. <laughs> Are you the little Force girl, Sydney? I am not Force sensitive. I did. I didn't get into the first time I watched Star Wars was right after freshman year, and I didn't love them. But I did like The Force Awakens, and that kind of restirred my interest in it. And I have issues with that trilogy, but I did like certain parts of it very much. And then I really liked The Mandalorian. Mandalorian got me because it was just like, hey, adorable little baby. And I'm like, damn it. I'm real you simple that way. Dis Disney knows what they're doing. <laughs> they put money. cute things in their movies and they know people will watch. Because I also I enjoy like male characters who don't say much, but can kind of convey a lot of emotion <laughs> just through acting. And then you put that with like an adorable little kid who you just want to protect. And I'm like. All right, you know my number. I like it. I like it when men shut up. Well. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, I think men could use, could stand to talk less occasionally at times, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. But uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to shitfic the wonderful season two finale thank you chris for being here and thank you sydney for creating editing advertising basically just doing everything <laughs> would you like to plug all of the socials she's our guest and you make her do all the work she already does every time i'm on i get to plug the socials like i have them memorized but i guess i kind of do at this point now so on twitter and instagram at sh underscore t f i c liability it's also on our tiktok <laughs> tiktok basically gets posted whenever i decide to wear makeup that day and i feel like making one which is not often these days so if you want to instead just take the audio from any of the episodes or any of the tiktoks i've already posted and make your own we would love you <laughs> we would also, I'm going to send out that reminder to rate and review. Send a reminder to email us at shitfickpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from some of you. I know a handful of people mom. who consistently listen. Mom! My friend Sorry, Connor, Michael's mom. Sorry, this is still, think. there's some noise happening and my door is currently shut and I'm not happy about it. And I just keep hearing thuds. Just so everyone knows, this is the episode where Michael disappears afterwards. That's all of these thumping noises will lead to my disappearance and then Cindy's going to have to go to a school <laughs> in the fog to find me. Ghost frog. A ghost frog is gonna kill you. It's, that's what's ghost coming. Frog, maybe. All right, but thank you all for listening. Thank you guys so much who have continued to listen and to support us. And thank you to Ryan Tucker for creating music uh, at the beginning and end of this podcast. We really appreciate it. And reach out to us if you want to hire him for anything. And a big thank you to our social media coordinator, Samantha Lee. We really appreciate all the work she does, so thank you so much. Um, guys have anything to say before goodbye for season two? Chris? <laughs> I've just got one thing to say, and that's shit fit. Bye. Bye.